should ever believe in this world is God. Just yesterday, I was telling one of my friends who thinks she's in love. And I was telling her that, you see, I'm happy for you. But also, the only person you should believe in this world is God. Not even your pastor. You mustn't believe even your pastor. If the pastor is not saying what is coming from the word of God, don't believe it. Because the only person that is true is God. What is a lie? The basic definition of a lie is anything that God did not see. That is what a lie is. It doesn't matter how realistic it is, how, you know, real or whatever it is. Like, for instance, God says you are healed. Then a report comes. You see, that's the reason why the Bible asks whose report will you believe, you see. Because there are many things that look real, they look very, you know, you, know, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can, there are even things to prove it. Did God say it? That is the test of whether it is true or whether it is false. So, when you are in a certain situation, that doesn't reflect the word of God. You know it's a lie. It's a lie. Sickness cannot be my body. Why? Because the Bible says, by his stripes, I was healed. By his, the scripture says, by his stripes, you were healed. He's, I'm not about to be healed. I'm not being healed. I'm already healed. So when you don't ask questions and you don't probe further into what you already have, it makes you stagnant. It makes you dull. It reflects a lack of progress, a lack of will to move forward. And it also signifies somebody who will not go far and somebody who will die mediocre. All of these things are not good. So, it's good for you to ask questions. Asking questions only come when you think. So, the Bible says that when you read Joshua 1.8, what does it say? When you read it, you meditate, you think about it. Because that's the only way you, you ask questions. And the more you ask questions, the more answers you get. The more answers you get, the more light you have. The only difference between you and I is understanding. Finish. We have the same Bible. Who I don't use a different Bible. Same Bible that we use. But the difference between you and I will be understanding. That's all. And understanding comes by probing. Probing. You ask a lot of questions. So when you just read and then you, you leave it, oh, it won't go far. So we thank God that today we are going to be probing and asking questions. There are, there are so many things to ask about prayer. Hey! So many things to ask about prayer. So, so many things. So we'll try to take the questions one after the other to see if we can answer all of them. If not, then Charlie, we'll move some to another time. Right, this is the last um, week for prayer. Oh, there's one more. Next week is also prayer. Prayer. Okay. All right. So next week, we'll actually practice what we've learned. Amazing. So um, who has the first question? Hallelujah. Amen. Um, this is my question. How can I develop a strong faith in prayer? Okay. How can I develop a strong faith in prayer? Before we continue, let me just make it clear. A disclaimer that these answers are not mine. These answers are from the Bible. They are not, I didn't write the Bible also, just in case you are wondering. So, don't think I'm too smart or I'm too, I don't know, enlightened or whatever. I'm just repeating what the word said. I don't have any wisdom or power or whatever. This is all from the Bible. If you look inside, you will see, you will find it. All right. 
So how do you develop a strong faith in prayer? The basic, um, there are certain rules. Where is Kobe crunching? Okay, probably be watching on TV. Um, one of the main rules in philosophy when you're asking, when you're answering or asking questions, or especially when you're answering questions is, when you, it, it may not even apply to this question, but I'm just saying, when you receive a question, if anybody asks you a question, you first need to look at the assumptions in the question. <laughs> when somebody asks you a question, listen well, and pay attention to the assumptions in the question. Like, for instance, somebody asks, why is there so much evil in the world? It sounds simple. But pay attention to the question. When you say that, why is there so much evil in the world? What you are actually saying, without saying, is that there's such a thing as good. And there's such a thing as evil. So, why is there more of the evil than the good? But you didn't say anything about good. But that's what you've also said. If somebody asks, if there's a God, why is there so much suffering? What you, the person has also said, the question assumes that there's an alternative, better route, for which reason the dichotomy is made, and they say this is suffering, this is not suffering. And so why is there more of this than that? You understand? So many of the questions that you will hear, you will say, oh, ah. No, listen. Listen to the question very, very carefully. First, Peter says that, learn, so that if anybody asks you for the reason for your faith, you can defend it. Have you seen that scripture before? What a shock. Is Second Peter. Second Peter three fifteen. First Peter three fifteen. Read it. What does it say? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. When you are answering, make sure you are meek about it. What is meekness? Power under control. Some questions are really stupid, but control it. <laughs> control the anger and answer. And it says, be ready all the time to give such a, an answer. Now, the question, the basic thing that the question is asking is, how do I have faith? In prayer, it's just, you know, a specific. But basically, how do you have faith? Does anybody know the biblical answer for this one? How do you have faith, Irama? Oh, no, sit, please. Exactly. Which, which scripture is that? Because it may be from your science textbook. Romans 10, 17. That's it. So, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. There is, this scripture is loaded. We can talk about it for six months. But... The answer to the question is this. The only way you can grow in your faith is to feed on the word of God. Read it. Listen to it. Surround yourself with the word of God. That is the only way you grow in faith. When the word of God comes to you, the word of God tells you the mind of God. The mind of God informs you his, of his character, how he is, and how he works, and so on and so forth. That is where your confidence comes from. When you know who you've relied upon, you see, when you have backing and you know the kind of backing that you have, it gives you a certain kind of confidence. There are certain parents that psych their children and tell them that, Charlie, as you are going to school, remember that you are poor. 
you know, you don't have much. Remember, just put, you know, remember that you don't have any difference. Don't go and fool. If they sack you, that's it. I don't, I can't beg. I can't do anything. So challenge And they say such things to sort of let the children behave well. But when children grow up believing that they are defenseless, it makes them sort of uh, take to alternative measures to try to, you know, make up for certain things and other things. When you know the kind of backing you have, it gives you a certain kind of confidence. And that is what faith is all about. Faith is the substance of things you haven't seen. You know in your heart, you believe it in your mind that I have this thing. Why? Because it's God who said it. And that conviction moves you to act. Faith is not complete without action. So the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So if you believe something, you do it. When you believe something, you do it. You read in the Bible, you have power to tread over scorpions and serpents. And you shall also cast out devils and heal the sick. You, your faith is not complete until you act on that thing that you've read. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And so for you to have faith in prayer, you should be able to know enough of what the word of God says about the situation, the particular situation you are praying about. Last week Sunday, we were having the um, workers training after church. And I was, I was saying that there are certain things that are not spirits. It's not spiritual. When you pray about such things, you are wasting your time. The Bible tells us what to pray about and what not to pray about. The Bible tells us this thing is a spirit. It's spiritual. You pray about it. Like a certain group of people who are praying about it, the spirit of ups and downs. I mean, till now, I'm very baffled what that is. The spirit of ups and downs. It's a spirit. I don't know what type of spirit that is. But apparently, that spirit makes your life move up and down. You know, and it's not a very powerful spirit at all. Hence, their prayer. You know, when you, when you go down that road, you will not get any results. There are certain things that the word of God will tell you. This one, pray about it. There was a situation that Paul had that he thought it was good to pray about because it was worrying him. The instinct, the basic instinct for us Christians is that if anything is worrying us, we pray. And that's a good thing because James 3 says that is anybody afflicted, let him pray, you see. But there are certain things that are remedied not by prayer but other spiritual principles because all spiritual principles have their place. Let's not forget that what we are talking about is faith. We are talking about how can we have more belief and more conviction and more vim when we are praying? You can have more belief and more conviction and more vim when you are praying by knowing that the thing that you are praying about is something you should be praying about. It's something that the word of God says you should pray about. And if God is not a man that he should lie and everything that he says is true, then you have power to pray because you know that when you ask, you, you receive it. But if you are praying about something you should be sowing a seed for or you are praying about something, look, some of the things say, it's just laziness. All you need to do is to just change your mind, Steph. You just need to get up from the bed and do it. It's not a prayer thing. Can you believe, Steph, that the number one um, problem of infertility, when people come to the hospital and they say, I can't give birth. Almost all the time, you ask them, when was the last time you had sex as a married couple? Then you say three months ago. Like, let's be serious. Why are you here? 
Are you serious at all in your life? Then you come and say you can't give birth. How should you do? Do you think we give birth by drinking water? Oh. So there are things that you need to apply specific principles to. And it's only the word of God that can expose that to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 and 4, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How do you know the weapons of your warfare? You need to look into the book. So the way you can pray well effectively is by knowing the word. If you don't know the word, your prayer life is not going to be effective. You'll be praying about things you're not supposed to be praying about. There are certain things you should just worship and sleep. There are certain things you should just praise God for. And amazingly, all of these things are actually prayer. Even reading the word of God is prayer. What is prayer? Saying what God said back to him and having a conversation based on that thing. That is what prayer is. So you can go and be dead three hours and you've not come out because you're having a conversation. He talks, he talks, he talks, he talks, he talks. But the language that God understands is his own language. You see, when you're when I come and I start speaking my native language, which you don't understand, so you, both of us must be on a certain level. Yes. And that, is the, that level is the word of God. So the one way you can develop your faith in prayer, simple, read the word of God. And read what the word of God says about every single situation. Go on Google. Now it's very simple. What does the Bible say about depression? Plenty scriptures will come. What does the Bible say about Nine? Uh, malnutrition. You'll be surprised. You'll be so. Su- it's all there. It's all there. What does the Bible say about um, anger? Ish. It's all there. All of it is there. You can't forgive someone before you pray about it. Before you go and say, "Father, Lord, I've come again." Read what the Bible says. Perhaps you should not even be spending that time. What you should rather be doing is maybe worshiping. Or what you should rather be doing is maybe going to meet the person and talking about it. Let me say this also. Prayer doesn't replace human relations and actions, sociological skills, interpersonal skills. Prayer doesn't replace it. Tongues doesn't replace apologies. When, when you offend somebody, apologize and stop speaking in tongues. It doesn't work like that. When you, when you do something wrong as a Christian brother or a Christian sister, we prompt you to please just beg and let's flow. Don't, you know, you're praying about it. You know, God, should I apologize? Should I, hey, hey, hey. You know, and because of that, you see, you become very silly. Because you are, you, you are packed with too much spirituality. And there are veils that we use all the time when we don't want to do the right thing. So, let me just end it here. Have you got caught the answer? It's plenty, but the answer is in there. So, my next question. What types of prayers are in the Lord's prayer? What types of prayers are inside the Lord's prayer? There are quite a number. So, we didn't finish looking at the Lord's prayer, but we started. And we were saying that, I'll just try to summarize the whole thing for you. Now, the Lord's prayer is a template. One of the ways that, you see, the way the world has become now, when you say you can't do something, you, you look very fantastic. Like all these girls that say that they don't know how to cook. Whilst there's YouTube. Hey, look, last time I was trying to make goat stew. I just went on YouTube and said, goat stew. I had plate, Nigerian goat stew, Ghanaian goat. I didn't even know there was such things. 
Nigerian, Nigerian goes to, there's Ghanaian goes to, there's Jamaican goes to, there's American goes to, all of it. And so I clicked on the Ghana one because I didn't want to eat things. And then I looked at it, look and do, look and do, Charlie, we are moving. So when you say you don't know how to do something, you know, because there are so many tools and resources. And all the things, no, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 is one of the scriptures that I love. Because it's when, when you come for vocal lessons, it's one of the first scriptures I will say to you. You need to understand this thing. Don't come as a no, an Elijah, the Tishbite, who doesn't, you know, it's like you've come. What does Ecclesiastes 1 9 say? The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. There's nothing new under the sun. So you didn't know it was in the Bible, you see. There's nothing new under the sun. It's a scripture, actually. That's it over there. And so, the thing that you're trying to do, you know, there's already a pattern for it. So, the Bible says that look to the patterns that the Father, don't destroy the patterns of the fathers. Go according to that thing. So, when Jesus came, he gave us a template. You don't know how to write a CV. Go on the internet. CV template. Plenty templates will come. You just pick it. Where the written name, you put your name there. That place, you don't put your age. You put your name. Where the written um, um, work history. Just write there places you've worked in a year and so on and so on. It's very easy, you see. So when you have a template, then you have some kind of like a pattern to follow. So you don't have to rack your own brain to do stuff. So Jesus gave us a template, not a recitation. The Lord's Prayer is not, well, you can recite it and it works. But the main purpose for the Lord's Prayer is to give us a pattern of how we should pray. What is the pattern? What did, what's inside the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. What does this mean? When you're approaching God in prayer, the first thing you should know is you're approaching your father. That's the first thing. First thing. Know that the one you're approaching is your father. At that point, he's not your God. He's your father. At that point, recognize that. And who is a father? All the time, a father is your father in something else. Your father is also, everybody's father has something to do. Even if it's an arm robber, it's something else apart from just being a father. And if you want to relate to him on that level, you can. There are many friends of mine in the university whose parents are lecturers. And when their parents come to lecture us in the class, they don't do daddy, daddy over there. They are serious. You know, they, they receive the lecture and then they go. If they want to go and see their father in the office and they are going not as students, but as, hey, there's this lecturer that mafiaed his own daughter. That man, I fear him. So I'm afraid to even falter, you know, because his own daughter didn't get the A. And she went with the script and she still didn't get it. You know, he said, next person, please. And the girl was looking so stupid. As I just went back with my silly complaints. Because hers was even stronger than mine. And she didn't, hey. You know, so when you want to relate to him on a father-father, maybe when they go home, they can go and fight about it. But at that point in time, they are not, you know, his lecturer, daughter, this thing. God is God. But God is also your father. He's not only your father. He's our father. That's what Jesus said. So you don't have to let anybody bamboozle you into thinking that I have a certain type of special relationship with God that I can tell God to do certain things that, you know, you if you go, he will not. It's not true. God is rich unto all. He's our father. Number two, who art in heaven? We are talking about the template here. Who art in heaven? What does it mean? It means God is not in this realm. He's not on earth. He doesn't live here. What does that mean? It means you need faith to see him. Because you can't see him with this, your eyes. You need, you need faith in order to see him. 
And so Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, no man can. You can't even please God. And those that come to God must first believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. And so number two, who art in heaven? Believe that he exists. You can't see him. You need faith. You can't approach him without faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? So how many types of prayers have we identified so far? This is a third one, you see. And you can, you can pray in each of these lines for one hour. Yes. You can relate to God as your father for a whole hour. You can relate to uh, God as, you know, a matter of faith for another whole hour. Hallowed be thy name. What does it mean? It means that God is not your mate. When you're approaching him, he's your father, but he's not your mate. You can't come and be calling Reverend Ajakum Revo. You know, Ajako. You know, he's not your mate. You know, don't, don't break boundaries. You see, the Bible, the Bible says that in the Genesis 1, the Bible says that on day 4, God created the firmament and he, he separated the waters from the water. Can you give me Genesis 1 verse? I think verse 8 also. Or 14. I think it's Genesis 1, 14. Yes. Ah, no, no, no. It's not. It's not 14. The 10. Seas divided the waters from the waters. Seven. Six. Right. Six. Nice. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. What does this mean? <coughs> Differentiation. When you enter into... So, one day we look at the word of God and what the word of God does. And one thing that the word of God does is that it separates things from things. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And what does it do? Hebrews 4 12. Where is it? <laughs> yes. Hebrews 4 12. Who is working on the thing for me? Right. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder. It separates the soul from what? And then what again? Joint and marrow. There are things that look close and the same. But the word of God is able to differentiate between the two. When you enter into a home and there's no sense of differentiation, there's always chaos. The father and the son are fighting over a towel. It's for me, it's not for me, it's for me, it's not for me, it's not for me. It's not for you, Jemu, mean Jemu, Jemu, mean Jemu. You know, that is just chaos. Anywhere you see chaos, there's a lack of differentiation. The fact that God relates to you on a fatherly level doesn't put you on his level. It doesn't mean you can misbehave in his presence. There are many people that tried it and they died. Hosni and Fini has died because they put unauthorized coal in the incense burner and God killed them straight when the high priest was entering into the Holy of Holies, God is the one who has told him to come. But they tie a rope around his waist with bells. So when he moves, he does gong, 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 And then when they pull it, he pulls back so that they know he's not dead. Because any little mistake, his glory will kill you. His glory is sensitive to sin and misbehavior. And he doesn't kill you. The glory kills you. So when you are approaching God, number one, he's your father. Number two, you need to have faith. Number three, know who you are going to. Don't fool. He's God. 
God is not only um, merciful, he's also a warrior. He sits on a white horse. The Bible says he's a warrior who sits on a white horse. Hallowed be your name. Is that not it? Thy kingdom come. That's the fourth type of prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come means that. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the full thing. God's kingdom should be paramount and should have higher priority in your prayer. Why? Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things that other people are praying for will be added to you. So when you have also come to God in prayer, this is another type of prayer. Make sure that you have put your needs second and other people first all the time. Pray for the church. So I keep saying, you see me praying for hours. 80 to 90% of the prayers are not for me. I hardly pray for myself. And so one time I was, I had finished praying and I went to sit in the washroom on the, the great white throne and I was thinking about how I would come to church because, you know, I live in Cape Coast, so coming to church cost quite an amount. So my money had run out and I said, God, send me money. I don't have money to go to church. Before then, I had prayed some prayers for some people and for some places and for some groups. And when I said, amen, you have received 100 and I said, wow, instant, instant. And I, I don't know, I, 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 don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know who sent the money. Yeah, I still don't know who, who sent it. Because it was transferred to my bank account. I don't, I don't give my bank accounts to anybody. So it, it was transferred to a bank account that I had just opened to. You know, so I just took it as what it is, and Charlie, we went to the ATM and then we sorted ourselves out and we, we enjoyed the cash. But my point is that when you put God first, he puts you first. When you put God first, he puts you first. There's a formula and there's a procedure in getting things in this kingdom. And you need to follow it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Don't enter with grudges. Don't, it's, look, just follow the instruction. When you go and see that Santa Hini, it doesn't matter how you feel. You pay homage first. Put your feelings aside. And that's the same way it is in the spirit. There are protocols. And one of the rules that will actually work is put God's kingdom first. Every other thing will be sorted. So when you say, when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, what he was trying to say is when you are praying, make sure that you have kingdom priority. And based on that kingdom priority, the next one will come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Now that you are all about the kingdom, you will see that God will be obliged to give you the daily bread. Why? Because there are certain people that are too important to not be around God's house and God's work. Let's say, Papa doesn't really have a place to stay or that he's renting his place. And, you know, money-wise and everything, things are not working. So you see that instead of him to come and preach, he's sorting out his, his landlord and they are going back and forth. And God, knowing his importance to his house and his kingdom, will make sure that he's always sorted. That is what it means. And also notice that it is daily bread, not daily flour. Not daily seeds. Because you see, bread is made with flour, and flour comes from seeds. And so, there's a difference between daily bread and, you know, other types of blessings. Daily bread is already prepared blessings. 
So God can give one person ideas to start a business or to do whatever. And to another person, he will give money and a house and a car and buy. Because you see, the idea, you have to sit down, you have to discuss, get business partners, get investors, this, that, going here, coming here. It's good, all right. But God needs you. You are too important to his kingdom for you to be doing all this up and down. So he will just tell somebody, you let on somebody's heart, go straight to this person and give them. what well, it's happened to me so many times. One day I came to church and I used my money to borrow for a year. All my money. I don't know what kind of faith that was. I just removed all the money in my pocket and I put it in the offering bowl. And when we close to, you see, we won't go home. Meetings. So we did meetings. Uh, the time had gone. The church bus had gone. I mean, all my hopes were gone. And I said, yeah, the better form, Charlie, how you for do? And I live at Santa Maria in Accra. When I'm in Accra, I'm at Santa Maria. So I walked from here to Santa Maria. I just put a, a, in a camp on Bishop, one of Bishop Dyke's camp. I said, the beautiful job. I started listening. I, when I got home, my legs were shaking like this. From here to, I started here around um, six, thereabouts. When I go home, it was around almost 11. It took me five hours to walk. Yeah. It's far. <laughs> Santa Maria is quite far. <laughs> so another time, it happened again. I used my money to go out for a year again. And then I knew that Charlie, part two, we are walking. So I, I, I came this side. I went outside the gate. And immediately, and this is a real story. I'm not making this up. I got outside the gate. And then I said, Father, thank you for strength for walking. It's powerful. So, I just started going down there where the apartment is and a taxi stopped in front of me. And the guy said, oh, Pacho, good evening. Where are you? Sorry, Pacho, I'm going to call La Paz. And I said, oh, Fahase. I said, oh, I don't know if you're going to call you. I said, oh, I'm going to I was like, hey, in these days where kidnappings and other things, I said, God, I thank you. This is my free ride. I entered. And mind you, I had 0.00 Ghana CDs in my pocket and in my account. So the taxi drove uh, when we're almost, so I said, pass here, pass here. So we're getting close to La Paz. And I said, so the black and white building, here, that's Las Palmas. When we're getting there, the driver said, oh, wait a minute, oh, Nipa no, I see me do La Paz, I mean, Bisa say Santa Maria when. So I said, hey, I know there. Let's go. We move. Let's go. Drive the car. Let's go. So when we're getting to Santa Maria, I said, okay, so this is the Santa Maria bus stop. He said, oh, I knew that this was not a human being. I knew that this was not a human being. <laughs> when I got down from the car, I had goosebumps. I was shaking. I said, hey, God, you didn't let me walk. Amazing. Amazing. So you see, there is a certain level of communication of blessings that can come to you that you don't have to work for. That's what we call daily bread. And so you can also pray about this daily bread for some time on the basis and the premise that you have seen his kingdom come. You don't go and ask for daily bread. What work have you done that you're asking for daily bread? You deserve flour. Go and look for your own baker. Since you are so into looking for other things, you are so into money, money, money. Okay, here are resources. Go and use it for the money. Go and sell the oil and go and use it. Do whatever. But if you are into the kingdom. So, have you seen that pastors have unexplained blessings? One day, Bishop um, Adeboye, Reverend E. Adeboye, somebody was criticizing him that 
Why has he bought a chopper? And he said, uh, excuse me, if I was in a world, I would be a CEO. I have over 45,000 branches. Can you oversee 45,000 branches with a bicycle? Don't annoy me, please. Next question. That was it. And I understood perfectly. And you see, the, the more annoying thing is that he didn't buy the choppers. It was bought for him. Um, Bishop Oedeko has, I think, two or three private, private jets. He has a hangar with private jets inside. And he chooses Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. What does he do? He preaches. I'm not saying everybody should become a pastor. What I'm saying is seek the kingdom first. And the things that you are chasing will come to you. What's the next thing? After, give us this their daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. And you see, forgive us our trespasses here is another whole prayer that you can pray. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. You've made your face. This thing has nothing to do with forgiveness, you know, death, sin, no. This thing is talking about frailty and the perfection of God. Why? Because Luke 18.1 says that he spoke a parable to this end saying that who should pray? Exactly. Where is it? Yeah. Men always, so if you are a man, you got to pray. So forgive us our trespasses is saying that you are a man. Who are men? Men are sinners. And so be mindful of the fact that you are not God. God is the only one who doesn't need forgiveness. God is the only one who doesn't need anybody to show mercy on him. And so it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Meaning that before you come to him to ask him for things, make sure that you have treated and sorted everybody out. Nobody is bitter in their hearts because of you. Why? Because it can block your prayer. Show mercy. Many times people are, they come to you say, oh, Sister Wendy, hmm. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> hmm. When I was coming, my dress got torn. And then we went to took it to the same church. The same church to take 10 CDs. And then I didn't have the 10 CDs, so I went to borrow from... The, look, you are lying. You are lying. You just want me to give you 50 CDs. But you can tell that they are lying. But sometimes, eh, you have to just forgo. Look, just give it to them. <laughs> just give it to them. Be merciful. Always... And when you look at the Beatitudes, Matthew 5... Blessed are the poor in spirit. They shall do what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. They shall do what? Irama. Sabras Kavali. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Stephanie. For they shall do what? Don't project it, I beg you. Don't project anything. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For they shall do what? They shall be... <laughs> Hey, eh? inherit what earth? It's not true. It's not true. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall do what? For the <laughs> I beg, the project it. I beg you. For this is the kingdom. For this is the kingdom of God now. For this is the kingdom of God, and blessed are the blessed are those who mourn. For what? For they shall be comforted. So when you mourn, you be comforted. 
when you're poor in spirit, you inherit the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they shall do what? Hey, Erama, Erama needs lessons, I tell you. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they shall do what? Blessed are the pure in spirit. There's no pure in spirit, you see. There's no pure in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. So you will notice that all of the beatitudes, when you do this, you get this. It's only mercy that, when you sow mercy, you get mercy. When you sow mercy, you get mercy. Every, all the other ones, when you, you sow something, then you reap another thing. Mercy there, when you sow mercy, is the same mercy that you will reap. Naturally, there is no alternative. That is all you have to do. You have to be merciful. Because when you are not merciful, what you have said is that you are God. You are perfect. You want to go by the law. You have never sinned. That is what you are actually saying. When someone has forgive, um, offended you and you are too big to forgive, and you see, if God should count iniquity, the Bible says, who will stand? Psalm 130 verse 3. Psalm 130 verse 3. If God should start counting sins, number one, since you said you will not forgive Rama, let's go there. Where someone, yes, if thou Lord should mark iniquities, who shall stand? Let's mark. Last night, the way you breathed, that's not how, yes, that's not how I designed you to breathe. You were breathing too much. Number two, yes, number two, your snoring was disturbing the neighbors. I don't like those things in this kingdom. You see, you will not stand. You are forgiven. You'll be forgiven. We are moving. Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14. Or even the 12, verse 12 and 13, it says, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth us. It's 13. He, he understands. He knows our frame. He knows we are dust. He understands our frame, you see. Where's verse 14? Yes. He, yes. He knows that. He remembers that. So, even God, he, does, he deals with us mercifully. There are many prayers that you've prayed that God will, will not answer. He doesn't answer. Why? Because he doesn't listen to your words. He listens to your heart. That's the reason why he said that the people who talk a lot, they think that their prayers will be answered. But, chilling. When you come and you say, God, why don't you help me kill this, my husband? God, I beg you, let's finish this man. I'm, t- I'm tired. See, God will not answer that prayer. <laughs> because he knows that what you are really saying is, I love this man so much. Why is he treating me like this? I want him to change. That's what he's actually hearing. So, he understands that you are dust. And you can pray certain foolish prayers. God, if I don't pay this tithes, let me die. But here you are. Here you are. He won't answer that. Or he, he knows that you are a human being and you are prone to stupid utterances like that sometimes. So he won't mind. He will not let you die at all. <laughs> Amazing. So when people offend you and you don't understand, look at the parable of the unforgiving servant. Maybe when you go home, you can go and read it. It's too long for us to look at it. 
Where's the parable of the unforgiving servant? Somebody should help me, please. Lest we sleep here. All right. Nobody's going to mind me. If you are Googling it, please do. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 21. I late. Matthew 18, 21 to 33. All right. Matthew 18, 21 to 33. The Bible says that two same scenarios. One person was owing a king a lot of money. The king forgave him. Immediately he went outside. He grabbed the other servant and said, pay all. The guy didn't pay. So he threw that guy in prison. And the king said, wow, wow. Throw this nincompoop back to where he was before, you know. And that's how it works in the spirit. Because when you want to judge by the law, you want to go down the legal path and say, ah, now what you did, was it fine? Was it, okay, let's all count what is fine and what is not fine. Let's see who will stand. Let's see who will die. Only God will not die. Everybody will have to pay. So forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the Bible says, if we don't forgive, our Heavenly Father will not forgive. Look at this scripture even. It's a scripture that we've been using for a lot of things. I don't think many people have really, really looked at it. Luke 6, 38. I think this one is a very common scripture. I just want to throw light on this one, then we move. All right. Luke 6, 38. Have you seen this scripture before? What do we use it for? Offering. We use it for offering. But it's really not, a, it's not for offering, no. You dare see something. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, and shake it together. Running over, shall men give it to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, but look at what happened before. That, then we understand why Jesus said this, because this is in red. Verse 37. What was Jesus saying that he came to say this? Look at it. Judge not. You shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. What's the punctuation there? What's the punctuation there? Colon. That is to say, I'm explaining what I mean by forgive and you'll be forgiven. Then give. And so, forgiving is a type of giving. Forgiving is a type of giving. And it is the only giving that when you give, you get the same exact thing that you sold. You may sow money here and reap a house. You may sow money here and reap a child. You may sow money here and reap a car. But the only thing that when you sow, you get the same, and you, you, when you sow and you reap, to, you reap bunch. You plant two corn, you reap a whole cup. So it will be running over. <laughs> you will get wickedness running over. Uh, who will give it to you? Men, not God. Men will give it to your bosom. Take all, Mr. Legal Man and anti-legal woman. So one of the best givings you can ever give it's forgiveness. It's a very powerful way of, it's a very powerful thing to give. For thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That, so how many types of prayer so far? We're not counting. Wait, you didn't say and lead us not into temptation. Oh, yes. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the Bible says that God, did, God does not tempt anyone with evil. We are the ones that tempt ourselves with evil. We are drawn by our lusts. And when our lusts mature, it gives birth to sin. And when sin matures, it gives birth to death. 
You've seen that scripture in James. Yes. So I think it's James 4. So, and lead us not into temptation. Don't lead us into places, as, uh, but deliver us from evil. What you're trying to ask God for is basically protection. Protection and discernment. Give us the power to control our feelings so that we don't end up doing things that we are not supposed to do. One day, a certain guy had stopped pornography for two weeks because we were on it. Oh, man, it was so sad. No, when I read the text, I just closed my eyes. I was like, ha, ah, almost. Because you know, according to psychology, if you are able to not do something or do something continuously for three weeks, it becomes a new habit. Automatically. If you lie continuously for three weeks, it becomes very normal for you. You know. And so this guy had quit. You know, he came to tell me about this. So we're praying about it, but we're also trying to dry it out, you see. So he had gone two weeks and I think four days. What was the thing that made him go and watch a game? He went to look at the rankings. I don't know what he was doing with the rankings. Very recently, I was looking at those same rankings, the Alexa rankings. Um, internet traffic by country. So, which sites are the most visited sites? This is what we were going to look for. I don't even know why. Why would you even do that? So, yesterday or two days ago, when I was watching, I saw that Ghana, five years ago, Ghana used to watch porn a lot. There were five porn sites inside. In 2021, there's only one. So, Charlie, we are improving. <laughs> we are moving forward. <laughs> and even that one is the la is number 50. The top 50 sites is number 50. So, Charlie, we are doing. But countries like Netherlands, UK, yeah. Netherlands in the top 10, they have three porn sites, three. You know. So, this is what the boy went to look at home. And by the time he realized, he had seen something he had not seen before. He's like, wow, what site is this? Let me go and see what's there. By the time he realized, he had slipped back. Certain types of curiosity will kill you. When you stay in prayer and you ask God for discernment and guidance, he will direct your path. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know that he's there. I, like, just have this consciousness that he's around. And what will happen is that he will start steering you. Go here, pass here, go here. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. You yourself are the light of the world. What is light used for? Darkness. The whole world is in, in darkness. And it's only the word of God which is a lamp and a light, which is able to guide you to navigate and so on and so forth. So this one is talking about protection and discernment. Then, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. We are back to praises and adoration, worship. And this one too, you can do for a whole hour. You can go and pray and it's all worship, all praises, all adoration for one whole hour. Or for two hours or for three hours. When we are having worship services, what do you think we are doing? That's all we are doing. So, how many prayers are there? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Eight powerful prayer topics that you can pray the whole this thing.
Right. So I think the thing is answered. Is that not it? Next question. Hi. Please, if anyone has a question that's related to the Lord's Prayer, please raise your hand so that we can read. If I would, you have you read the first Corinthians 14? You are come to ask more questions. Um, is it a sin to recite the Lord's Prayer? No. I think I said it before. It's not wrong for you to recite it. But you see, recitation and reci- when you're reciting something, there's a, sometimes when I'm praying, I only read Psalms. So for how many hours I'm praying, I'll be reading the Psalms out loud. It's, that's my prayer. Oh Lord, deliver me from my enemies. When you read it, you see that they're all prayers. You see, deliver me from my enemies. Let them fall down. Let them go. Let them. It's, it's all there. I read it ah, for many hours. So what am I doing? I'm reciting. Why? Because I'm repeating the thing that has been written there verbatim. That's recital. The thing that makes recital powerless is a lack of understanding. If you, you can recite a lost prayer, but if you don't understand what you're saying, it doesn't mean anything. Christianity is not just imitating Christ or living like Christ or imitating Christ's lifestyle. Anybody can do that. Anybody can read the Bible and imitate Christ's lifestyle. Christianity is more than that. Christianity is Christ in you. That is what Christianity is really about. Christianity is Christ inside you. Exactly. That's Colossians 1.16. Is that not it? Yeah. So when you, when you are reciting a lost word, you want to recite it. Problem no D. But please, understand what you are saying. Say it with understanding. You'll be blessed. Glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Please, does anyone else have a question related to the Lord's Prayer? Please Lord's check. Prayer? Like, cross check with the sheet you have so we can move on. It's okay. All right. Are there prayers that God does not hear? Oh, yeah, yeah. Many. There are many prayers that God does not hear. And there are several reasons why God will not hear a prayer. Okay, so let me just say this. Hold your seat so that you don't fall down. There's only one answer to prayer. Yes. <laughs> there's, God doesn't say no to any prayer. The reason why there's no answer is that it's not even prayer. What you are doing is not prayer. That's why it's not being answered. If it is prayer, God will hear and he will answer. God is a God that answers prayer. Have you ever, have you ever heard of people who are not Christians they prayed in the name of Jesus and it worked. Have you heard such stories before? Why did they work? Because when you are praying and you are asking in faith, God sees your heart and that's what he answers. I think we've said that already. And so the prayers that God doesn't answer are prayers that are not congruent with his word. That is the general, that's what I'll say generally. If you pray any prayer that is not based or doesn't agree with his word, the answer because it's not prayer. What are you doing? You are just talking. So you'll be, de- you'll be wearing yourself out for now. The fact that you pray a lot, you say prayer, it doesn't mean much. If you don't understand what you are doing, and that thing cannot be labeled as prayer. And the prayer too, there are some technicalities in a prayer. There are certain things that when you ask for, they come with other things. Like for instance, when you ask for wisdom, wisdom comes with riches and long life. It's a package. So you can go and be praying for long life, but you see, you should have asked for wisdom. Because that one will bring the long life and it also brings riches and other things. It brings even the life of your enemies. It's all part of the thing. And 
when you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit also comes with seven other spirits and fruits and plenty of things. So there are things that even when you pray for, they are more relevant and more packed than other things. But to answer your question directly, yes, there are prayers that God doesn't answer. The prayers that God doesn't answer depends on two things. The person asking and what the content of the prayer is. The Bible says that God doesn't hear the prayer of wicked people or sinners. God doesn't hear it. God does not hear the prayer of wicked people or sinners. He doesn't. It's in the Bible. Number two, the thing that you are saying must be congruent with the word of God. It must be agreeing with the word of God. Otherwise, forget it. No answer for you. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you satisfied or you want more? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I wanted to ask if it is wrong to pray to Mary. Yes, it is. Yes, it's wrong. It's idolatry. Yes, you don't pray to anybody except God. Oh, you that answers prayer, to you shall all flesh come. Have you seen that scripture? Yes. You don't pray to any other. You don't pray to angels. You don't pray to saints. You don't pray to deities. You only pray to God. Follow-up question. Yes, please. Okay. Um, but you can pray that Mary intercedes for you. No, Mary is not. The Bible says we have one. It, it, it's amazing how the Bible answers these questions already. The Bible is very specific about how many intercessors we have. And the answer is one. There's only one intercessor we have. We have only one mediator, which is the man, Jesus Christ. That one is another whole teaching. Why didn't he say Jesus Christ, the son of God, or the son of man? He says the man, Jesus Christ. He is the one who is a mediator. Why? Because the man, Jesus Christ, is the one who went through the human experience and was killed and crucified for our sake. So when we ask for things or when we ask for pardon or whatever, he's the, he would tell his father that, listen, it's not easy down there. I've been there. Look. Allow. Allow. Then the father will say, wow, he and his father are one. So they'll just say, okay, fine, let's let it slide. So you don't pray to Mary, you don't pray to Michael, you don't pray to Ignatius, you don't pray to um, St. Augustine, you don't pray to anybody. You go, why you pray to is God. And even the, that one guy has rules. You see, these are the things you are talking about now. You don't pray through the name of Jesus. You pray in the name of Jesus. There's a difference. If you pray through the name, I don't even know what you are doing. You pray in the name of Jesus. These are technicalities. That, and these are very stringent protocols so that it's sort of um, customizes how many people and how many routes we can have to the one true God. It's not open like that. So that the, the criteria, you see, if we didn't have cutoff points, anybody can, the application, can imagine application queue at the registrar's office. It will come into the road. But we have cutoff points. So when you check and see that the thing is 08, you look at your grade, grade 32, just put it somewhere. Don't even call. You are wasting your time. Don't, don't try. <laughs> hey, as a member debut. <laughs> yeah, basically. So when you look at the thing, say, Charlie, I'm in the race. Then, so when you are in the race, you have fulfilled the things and you're not getting a response, then you can even use that as a basis and say, hey, Charlie Merkeche, you understand? Uh -huh. Right, so next. Okay. Um, the, can we pray to Jesus' picture? No, you can't. The Bible is very specific about praying to images. In Colossians, it says that no prayer to images. And it's all in the scripture. No prayer to images. Don't pray to any image. 
Don't pray to any statue. Don't. Oh, but it's Jesus. No, it's not. It's not. Jesus is a spirit. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. Can you see the word of God? Be serious. So somebody asked me a question. If Jesus was a person in heaven before he came to earth, the answer is a categorical yes. He was a person. He's still a person. He was incarnated, meaning he was given flesh. And then he became, you know, he came to live his life. He did what he did his thing and then he went back. So anything apart from the oh, let me just add this. Jesus is not just a name or a person. It's also an understanding. You can say in the name of Jesus for seven million times. If you don't know the person, it doesn't mean much. In Jesus' name, you see, you're having a bad dream and you have said in Jesus' name and you're still having a bad dream. Because you see, the, the, in the name of Jesus, it's not a charm. It's not, it's not a, a, a juju thing. They just blow, poof, Jesus, then it works. No, it doesn't, it's not like that. It's a revelation. If you don't have that revelation, all you are doing is useless. So don't even complicate matters further by introducing things that will replace the revelation you're supposed to get. Images, graving, oh, oh be serious. Pictures. No, 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 no. Let's not go there. Apart from the fact that it's idolatry, which is trying to represent God by, with inanimate objects, it is also foolishness and it is also not prayer. All right, next. Okay, so um, the last follow-up question on this topic is the Catholics who pray to Mary, are they also idolizing her? You see, the first thing I said was, these are not my words. This is the Bible. I'm not trying to you know, show off any kind of energy or understanding or intelligence or whatever. The Bible says that do not pray to anybody apart from God. Otherwise, what you are doing is idolatry. And it doesn't matter who says you should pray. Look, the one who made the golden calf, it was Aaron. Aaron is the one who made the golden calf. He was a sponsor. He was the main guy. It was still wrong. It doesn't matter who initiates. And it doesn't also matter how many people are doing it. It's still wrong. Just go by the Bible and you'll be okay. Okay. Uh-huh. okay so there are two more follow-up questions. One person is asking, how about those who put a chair down and then they pour water on the chair? And say they are inviting God. How about them? Like, what, what is that? All right. Directions and symbolisms are allowed. But again, when your confidence that the thing is going to be answered is based on the fact that you think there's a cup of water there, so then your prayer will be answered. You see, then that is idolatry and it's foolishness. Many times, so for instance, Jesus sees a, a blind man. Do you want to get sight? The guy said, ah, da. And Jesus spits on the ground and then he makes mud. And then he said, well, it's a very disgusting thing to do. Does it mean that when we see blind men, we must be spitting on the ground and making spit mud? And he said, go and wash at the, in a wager dam. 
Be serious. When it becomes a ritual, as in when you, your confidence that the thing is going to be answered is based on the fact that you think because of these things is going to, then you are joking. There are many things. And look, this is also the reason why you shouldn't judge too much. Okay, when you go and see someone doing something and you don't understand, keep quiet and pass. Or if you want clarification, ask. Don't sit somewhere and be talking a lot. I've, there have been situations where people, there's this man of God I know. He was praying in his room and he felt like, look, I want to, I heard the Holy Spirit is a person. So I want to give him a seat and I want us to talk. This man was in the room for three days. They had to come and open the door to find whether he was alive. He was on the floor. I think he was almost dead or whatever. Like he wasn't dead. Like he was under the spirit for three days. Because the Holy Spirit actually came. And his presence overwhelmed him. And he was on the floor. No eating, no nothing. He was just on the floor. Couldn't move for three days. And when the, the presence came down, the Holy Spirit just gave him allowance. And the people helped him. He said, no, 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 no. I want that thing again. Don't, you have spoiled everything for me. Why did you come and open the door? You know, so now if you see it and you say, wow, what an experience. Then you also go into your room and you lock your door and put a chair down. Ah. The only spirits that will visit you are your ancestors. And other evil spirits who are eager to come and say hi. They are the ones that will come. You see, so when symbolism becomes ritualistic, then it becomes a problem. There are many times that um, Jesus will say, do this and go and show yourself to the priest to be clean. Uh-huh. Those things must be inspired and sponsored by revelation. If you don't have revelation concerning that particular thing, don't do it. Our mothers will pray over water when we are sick and say, this water I'm giving you is the blood of Jesus. Drink it. And you do it and it works. Because their faith makes the thing what it is. Then, and then it goes out. So, it doesn't matter what you want to do, what symbolic thing you want to do. First of all, check if the word of God allows it. And just go ahead and do it. But do it with revelation. Otherwise, it will not work for you. So, don't copy anybody. God doesn't answer, God doesn't answer the Archbishop's prayer because he says by divine authority. That's not why God answers his prayer. So, when you go and stand and say, by divine authority, the demons will lash you and it won't be easy for you. Glory to God. The final follow-up question on this whole symbolism thing is, how about the Catholics who have their own Bible? <laughs> it's not me, please. The Catholics who have their own Bible. Hmm. So, <laughs> look, this, this thing, if we don't, <laughs> scripture is what we have. Any other thing apart from it is not scripture. You see, for you to know whether something works or not, you need to test it. The reason why people believe in the things that they believe in is because it works. The juju man believes in what he does because it works. But you see, believing in the thing working is not necessarily... Um, it doesn't replace what it should be. I'm trying to speak in parables so that I don't go and commit. 
you may believe in something. You know, there's, there are spiritual laws. And it doesn't matter who applies those spiritual laws. It will work. Look, the reason why witches have power and the reason why witch doctors, what they, the terms that they do will work is that the power that they use is backed by the integrity of God. I'm shocked, you see. I say that the witch doctors, the juju men, malams and all those things, the reason why their charms and their spells work is because the power that they use is backed, is supported, is upheld by the integrity of God. What is the integrity of God? The integrity of God is placed and hidden in spiritual laws and spiritual principles. So it doesn't matter whether you are a Buddhist, atheist, uh, what Taoist, if you sow corn, it will germinate. If you study hard, you will pass your exam. It's not a matter of spirituality. So in the same way, there are certain things that when you combine, it gives a certain effect. There are certain things that if you place your faith in, it will produce a certain kind of power. But it doesn't replace God knowing God and knowing his word. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can decide to go with this Jutro canonical books. That's what they are called, Jutro canonical books. Sorry? They are apocryphal books and they are also Jutro canonical. Jutro meaning additional, canonical, you know, agreed on. So, Jutro canonical books. You can decide to go with it and it will work. Oh, hey! It will work for you. Why? Because when you believe in something so much, it invests and it puts power in that thing to work on your behalf. It's a spiritual rule and it's a spiritual principle. Thoughts are powerful. It doesn't matter whose thoughts it is. They will work. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that all works will be brought into judgment. What is judgment? Judgment is they've put the standard here and they've put your works over here and they compare and they take correct, wrong, correct, wrong, correct. So, if you didn't know any better, so your case is a little different. But if you knew and you, you, you went down to it, your case is different. But God is a righteous judge, so we'll leave that one to him. So, my answer is this. Apart from this scripture, the Bible, the 66 books that we have, any other book, addition, subtraction, no, please. It's not the word of God. Uh, I would just, you know, I wanted to mention some books that certain people use, but it's okay. God has touched my heart. <laughs> okay, so there's a final follow-up question before we move to the next actual question. This is the last follow-up question. Please, I'm not accepting any more follow-up questions. Hey! <laughs> this question is about the whole praying over water for someone to drink so they be healed. Yeah. If you have faith and you pray over the water, you believe that it will heal the person. Now, the person drinking it if they don't believe, would they be healed? So, how do you raise the dead? Because the person is dead. Do you understand the answer? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you see, faith works. It doesn't matter who is having the faith. It works. This is what we just said. Spiritual rules and spiritual principles work. It works for everyone. Look, if there are spiritual rules and principles for how happy marriages you may not be a good Christian or you may not even be a Christian at all. 
if you apply those principles, you will have the best marriage in the world. But having the best marriage doesn't replace knowing God. You understand? So, it doesn't matter who is applying the principle. It will work. And all you need is the faith. But you see, there are different types and measures of faith. There's great, great faith. There's little faith. There's weak faith. There's strong faith. And Jesus said that the, 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 mini, the threshold, the minimum balance you need for anything to work in the spirit is mustard seed faith. Tiny, it will work. If it is faith, it will work. So if you drink it and it doesn't work, you know what has happened. It's not faith. Okay, so someone asked this question on the live stream. Okay. Is it very necessary to pray for long? Yes. That's, that's the yes, it is necessary. Why is it necessary? It's necessary to pray for long because prayer is spending time in God's presence. And the more time you spend in his presence, the more power or life you receive because he's the source of life. I don't know what you want to be doing for long hours. If, it's, if, if not prayer, then what do you want to do for long hours? What do you want to do for long hours? You want to watch Bridgerton the whole season one, which takes like how many hours? Like five hours, six hours. Nadi, please give me an answer, I beg you. Give me an answer. Support me in my ministry, I beg you. <laughs> Seven, eight hours. It's season one alone. Yeah, that one is not a problem. But you're asking very interesting questions. Should we pray for long? No. No, don't pray. At, don't pray for long at all. Just, you know, one or two. Five minutes is enough. Five minutes. Enough like five minutes. You should be praying for long. Because the benefit of prayer is not the answer. The benefit of prayer is time spent in his presence. That's all. Next question. Before we move to the next question, someone has a follow-up question. <laughs> About praying for long. Yes. She heard that you're supposed to pray until you hear from God. So let's say you're praying for 30 minutes. If in that span of 30 minutes you have not heard from God, should you continue on? So five hours, you still not heard from God. Then 10 hours, you still not heard from God. So you're supposed to keep praying. 16 hours, you've not heard from God. So what we just said is that the, the, the whole point of prayer is to spend time with God. And you don't pray until you have heard from God. You don't start praying. on the, the, it's not, You don't pray to hear the voice of God. Rather, you don't pray until you've heard the voice of God. Why are you praying if you haven't heard from God? How do you hear from God? His word. And so, the, I think a person has turned the thing instead. You don't pray till you hear the voice of God. Look, you use your will to pray. When you are going to pray, you yourself, you are tripartite. You have a soul, you have a body, and you have a spirit. Your soul is your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Your spirit is who you are, essentially. Your flesh it's what enables you to operate in this physical. But prayer is a spiritual thing. So what you need to activate is your spirit. But your spirit and your flesh are antagonistic. If your spirit is activated, your flesh is down. If your flesh is activated, your spirit is down. So when you're going to pray, one of the main things you want to do is you want to bring your flesh down. That's the reason why long prayers are even advisable. Because it takes some time for the flesh to come down. That's what we call waiting on God. So when you go and you wait on God... so. When you're waiting on God, many times for your flesh to come down, you want to speak in tongues for a while, or you want to just wait, just shut up and sit there, quiet, and just let spiritual music be playing in the background. That's the reason why I like spirit chants. I like spirit chants because 
when I'm chanting in the spirit, it's like my spirit and my mind are working at the same time. One day, they did a neurological study, and they were looking at the brain activity of a man speaking in tongues. And they saw that there was hyper activity in the brain. The brain, all, almost every aspect of the brain was activated. You know, so speaking in tongues is not just spiritual. It's also physiological. It does something to your body. And um, when your spirit is up and your flesh is down, then you can communicate to God better. Because God is a spirit. And the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And so, for you to be able to calm your flesh down, you need time. It takes time. It takes time for that to happen. So, the people who pray for 10, 15 minutes. Mm, okay. The people who pray for 10, 15 minutes. I know they've not prayed. Because of the time. The duration. Don't pray until you have time. I'll repeat it. Don't pray. Don't say, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry. Father, blessed, 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 minus God, no, minus devil plus God, amen. Then you go. It doesn't work like that. You see, the reason why God is going to protect you on the journey you're about to go on is not because you prayed. That's not why. It's because he's good. That's all. So you don't put your confidence even in the prayer. The confidence should be in God, not the prayer. And so, there are many, look, you eat without praying. Hey, you didn't pray. What if there's some juju inside? Then you have eaten the poison. Hey, you see, you see, your mind is like chicken poop. It's very, it's very, very small. You know? So, the, the, it's not the, the prayer sanctifies the food. But it's not really the prayer. It's a faith that backs the prayer that sanctifies the food. So, you must pray for long hours because it takes a while for your flesh to come down, for your spirit to be activated, then your spirit can get into contact with God, who is also a spirit, and that is an act of the will. You have to make yourself do it. Hey, your flesh is stubborn. <laughs> your flesh, is, you will, so you say you are waiting on God, and the plan is, the plan is, two hours, two hours, so you've knelt down. Among the gods, among the gods, who is like you? Then you, you, you have sung, in your head you've sung for like 30 minutes. And you check the time. It's been 2 minutes and 13 seconds. <laughs> your flesh starts reacting and saying, look. <laughs> look. So you start building theologies and excuses. Look, it's not the length of the prayer. It's not, it's not the length. It's the God that you are praying to. <laughs> Foolish. You better, you better control your flesh over there. So Paul says that I bring my body under subjection. So you have to make sure your body is pressed down. Look, many times, this is always say it loud. Many times, I see girls I like. And I have feelings. But I don't act on the feelings. Because my body belongs to me. But I, I don't belong to my body. My body belongs to me. So even though I have the feelings, I don't obey the feelings. And you see, when you do it, <laughs> when you do it more, 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 it's like you have master, mastery over it. So now, even if your flesh is talking, you can just do your hand like this and your flesh is quiet. Because your, your spirit is strong. So then the Bible says that walk in the spirit and you will not 
fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so when you make a practice of waiting on God all the time, I will say it again, if you don't have time, don't pray. And if you are too busy to pray, then you are too busy. You are too busy. What, what are you doing that you can't pray? Wake up in the night or at dawn or in the morning or in the afternoon, evening, whatever time is convenient for you, at least one hour. Because when you are praying according to your flesh, God doesn't hear. When you pray fleshly prayers, God never hears those prayers. When you start speaking in tongues in response to fear, you are wasting your, your, your saliva. So you are in the room, and you are, look, look. You see, don't do that. Don't do that. You only speak in tongues in faith, not fear. When you pray out of fear, act out of fear. It's a sin, actually. Do you know that? Yes. Romans 4, 23 or 24. 14, 23. And also Nehemiah. I think Nehemiah 10. Nehemiah was talking and um, some people, Tobiah and Sambalat. Those two guys, eh? Those two guys. They have questions to answer power and judgment day. They had hired a prophet to come and tell Nehemiah to run into the temple and shut the door because people are looking for him to kill him. And Nehemiah said, are you serious? Are you seriously thinking that a man of my stature, I will run away because somebody wants to kill me because I don't have God or I don't know my God or what? What I'm doing now, God is the one who said I should do it. So if he will sit there for someone to come and kill, then it's up to him. Away bus. Revelations 19, I think somewhere verse 11 there. It starts to list the people who will be in hell. Roll call. Number one on the list, the fearful. That's number one on the list. The fearful. They are number one. So when you are doing things that are not out of the spirit but out of the flesh, apart from the fact that you are wasting your time, you are also sinning. Right? Don't do that. So I've answered the question. What's the question? The length of the prayer. Use your will to control your flesh and activate your spirit and be, be there for some time. Because the reason why you are praying is not for answers. The reason why you are praying is that you want to spend time with the source of all life. Otherwise, you will die. Glory to God. So, um, I'm taking the last two, two questions and then we'll round up. But please hold on to your questions. There will be an announcement after prayer. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Wow. I'll just give an abridged answer because the time is gone. What it means to pray in the name of Jesus is to use Jesus' ATM card. That's basically. So everything in the, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God is the one who owns everything. Who owns uh, Malcolm? I think it's a Lebanese guy. He's dead. Oh. So he has a son or a daughter. Like somebody. So if this son comes into the Malcolm walking around, do you honestly think he has to pay? Oh. Even if he has to pay, he has you know, he's he's, he's endowed, he can pay. But you, you can't go and do that in the Malcolm shop. 
unless you've been authorized by either the owner or his son or whoever. And in Hebrew, oh my Lord, don't have time. Now, the Hebrew letters and the Hebrew alphabet, all of them have numerical significance and symbolic significance and interpretations. And the symbolism in Hebrew says that the son is the head of the house. The son, he is the head of the house, or he's, he's the main guy, not the father, the son. In, in, in Jewish culture, in, in Hebrew, that's what, that's what it is. And so, that's the reason why when Jesus said that he's the son of God, we're like, hey, because what you have actually said is that you are the head of the household of heaven, and you are equating yourself to God. You see, when you see the reactions that they gave to some of the, the things that Jesus, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, they were like, you, you, who born you by mistake? Because you see, the temple has three. There's the outer courts, holy place, and the most holy place. The, the entrance to the outer court is called the way. The curtain that divides the outer court and the holy place is called the truth. And the curtain that divides the holy from the most holy place is called the life. Because when you cross that thing, Charlie, you may or may not come out. And so when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, what he was comparing himself to is the temple. And he's saying that I am the... So what, what was the next thing after he said all those things? And no one comes to the Father except through me. You understand it now? So it's like, I am the, I'm the three doors that you pass to get to the... So when they heard it, they said, hey, 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 murder this guy, murder this guy. Because he was, it's like, you are talking too much. So, praying in the name of Jesus means asking things from God using the authority of the house, the head of the household of heaven. That's what it means. So, it's like Jesus is the one asking. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. So, when you use the name of Jesus, what you're actually doing, it's like Jesus is the one asking. And there's nothing that Jesus will ask his father that he will not give him. That's the reason why it is better to pray in the name of Jesus. You can decide to pray not in the name of Jesus, but then you have to come with legalistic requirements. Because you can get anything you want without the name of Jesus. So you can read Leviticus and see, hey, red heifer, this petal doves, these are the things that the juju men do. Uh -huh. That's why they use those things. You combine this and that. There are requirements. You, you, sometimes you flour mixed with barley and, you know, bread. And you pour oil on it. Then you set it on fire. Hey! And all of them release different, different kinds of power. Yes. So you can get things without the name of Jesus. Easily cry. So you say, there's a law of attraction. If you think it's, you know, it works. Oh, you can, it works. But also remember judgment, eh? Mm-hmm. As you are doing all these things, remember judgment. So, to pray in the name of Jesus is to use Jesus' identity to shop in heaven's mall. <laughs> Amazing. Alright, so before the last pre-asked question, there's a question in-house that needs to be addressed. <laughs> Alright, right, so the question in-house is this. Is it very necessary to 
pray on top of your voice. Like usually when um, prayer warriors are leading prayer, like you are praying rather like be loud, like I can't hear you. Is not necessary to like pray on top of your voice? Especially the person asked for like singers. They know like praying so loudly is going to affect their voice. Should they necessarily be all loud in the spirit, like shouting so everyone can hear their prayer? Because if they, if they do not pray on top of their voice, even after the, the leader said, like, open your mouth and pray, are they being disobedient, like, to the leader or to the spirit? Is it going to, like, negatively I, can, I, can, I think I can affect, guess who asked this question. Affects the person, too. So, let me give the straight answer, and then I'll explain. The answer is no. It's not necessary to pray on top of your voice. Jesus directly addressed this issue. He said, don't, when you pray, don't be like the heathen. Don't pray in the similitude of the healing, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. So, when your mind is pegged at volume, look, the thing that blocks prayer is anything apart from belief in the person you are praying to. If anything you are praying about or the act of prayer itself replaces the person you are praying to, it's, it nullifies everything. So, don't put your faith in anything apart from God, including your own volume. But now, volume also plays a role. Volume is not... When God is a very detailed and a very specific God, very, very detailed. Now, the difference between charismatic Christians and other Christians is one of the major differences is the way we pray. <laughs> we believe that in the presence of the Father, there's liberty. You can express yourself. Different emotions come with different reactions. There's a certain girl in my class called Gertrude. Her voice is like a pin divided into 100. Very tiny. And this girl, when she's pissed, I just love to agitate her so that she'll be angry. She sounds like a rat. <laughs> like she's squealing. <laughs> you know, when you are angry, upset, excited, it affects the way you are speaking. It affects the way you talk. And it's allowed for you to express emotions in prayer is allowed. Certain people have trained themselves to be decorated when they come before God. So it doesn't matter how they are feeling. Oh Lord, that God in ages past, I hope for years to come. I shelter in a time of storm and I turn our home. In the name of the Father, the look, meanwhile, their wife is sick. But they've been trained, you see. They are not pretending. This is how they know how to pray. As we've come before your glorious throne, we pray that you send us healing mercies for Auntie Mercy, who is on the bed of Kolebu and is fighting for her life. We pray that your mercies and your grace will be enough for all our sins. Amen. You see, they are not, they are not, they are not pretending, they are not trying not to involve emotions. A charismatic Christian comes and they are, because how they are feeling is how they are expressing it. God is not against that. Look, when Jesus was dying, he spoke vernacular. Because at that point, there was no time for learned languages. French, English, and all these things. You say, Ajay, Ajay, Ajayra coming. Oh, you know, John, Palabota. You know, it, it calls for God. It calls for some kind of local language. It doesn't, I mean, this, your decorated things doesn't, it doesn't work. So he said, Eloi, Eloi. He said, hey, 
Agora em casa assistam. Because it gets to a point where the prayer has to be real enough. And God really loves that. The reason why he made Adam and Eve naked is the reason is because he doesn't like barriers. He doesn't like human interventions. So I read a very powerful scripture in Exodus 24. It says, God was speaking and he said, when you're going to build an altar for me, don't use uncut stones. Don't use any tool to chip the stones. What does that mean? Don't come to me with human skills and interventions. Don't, don't come to me with decorations. Because I know your heart. It's very insulting when you do that. So you see that after Adam and Eve sinned, God himself had to shield them. Because now something had tainted their relationship. And coming close to him now will kill them. So he slaughtered an animal. They, they even used fig leaves. Very pathetic. When the sun shines, it's over. But he used animal skin. When the sun shines, it, it, it makes it even tougher and better. And he killed... Why did he kill a lamb? Because according to spiritual tenets, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So he shed blood of the lamb and used the skin to, to clothe them so that anytime he looks at them, he sees the lamb skin and he remembers that they've already paid for that sin. No more, you know, no more punishment for them. So when you come to God with artificial ways of entry, you, you, you chant Jesus seven times so that the spirit will come. You think that's serious. So volume is important. But the use of volume is to express emotions. Not as a substitute for faith, God, or the power of prayer. You understand? All right, thank you very much. So the, <laughs> the last in-house question is this. Is it necessary to set a mood before you pray? Like, you are oh, coming to pray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, there are details. Okay. So, you're about to pray, and then you light candles. And then... <laughs> or maybe you... you <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so... You are coming to pray, and then maybe you turn off all the lights, no and minutes. then you put on blue lights, Ow. and then, <laughs> or you you make your AC very cold. Just look, just cause you are coming to I, pray. Look, one of my rules is I don't pray with my room dirty. Cause I believe that God, if I've not served my room and I'm coming to, pray, I will sweep, I will wash all my dishes, I will put the dirty things in the laundry basket, arrange the books on the table before I pray. Because I believe that when the Spirit of God comes, he mustn't come and see any disorder. Because God speaks to me and he's everywhere. He speaks to everywhere. God, Jason Jackman will be praying and the Holy Spirit will say, this, do you know that body doesn't need clean room? Do you know? Haven't you heard of prophets who come and tell you where you were last night? You are worried? A prophet in your room, is he? Yes. They will come and tell you that. The prophet will come and say, And it's true. How did they know? How did they know? They saw it by prophecy. The Spirit of God revealed it to them. You see, so one of my little in my little mind. Of course, you know God has a very, very, very amazing sense of humor. Like you go and withdraw money, your last money from the ATM, the ATM card gets stuck in a machine. I'm like, hey, me at all, you know. So when you are setting the mood. Look, 
relating to God in prayer is a beautiful thing. You can do what you can even decide to cook and set it on a table. One day in Exodus, uh, I think 31. I don't remember. But it's in Exodus. I think it's Exodus 28. It's Exodus 28. Please give me Exodus 28. Start from verse 1. Or either 28 or 24. Yeah. No, go to 24. No, that's not. No, Exodus 24. That's it. That's it. Look at it. Follow. Can you use NLT? Can you use NLT? Please be quick about it. Oh, put your hands together for Rev in the building. <laughs> wow. NLT, please. NLT, NLT, NLT. Right. Watch this. Then the Lord instructed Moses. So this is prayer, right? We are talking about prayer still. Come up here to me and bring along Aram, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. So it's like, what is prayer? We, we said what prayer is. Communion with God in his presence, right? So God says, come and, come and let's have a good time, you understand? But don't come too close to the mountain. Go, go far away. And look at what God said. Go to verse 2. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near. And none of the others are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Verse 3. Then Moses went down to the people, repeated all the instructions. Verse 4. Verse 4, quickly, please. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the instructions, set up four pillars, did an altar. Verse 5. Then he sent some of the young, yes, sacrifice. Verse 6. Moses drained the blood. Verse 7. He put the blood on the people. They said, we will obey. Verse 8. Then Moses took the blood and he, he, he told them the instructions that the Lord gave him. Verse 9. Look at it. So now they are climbing because that's what God said. He said you should climb. So look at, look at all the things Moses had to do before they went to the mountain. They set up an altar. They sacrificed. So waiting on God, right, to prepare your spirit. So Moses, Aram, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climb up the mountain again. Verse 10. There, they saw God. They saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, I'm saying they saw God, the 70 elders. <laughs> and under his feet, there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, God did not destroy them. In fact, look at it. In fact, so Actually, you see, you are too stringent about the prayer. Your blue light and your candle, you see that it's, it's nothing. They were eating in God's presence. They went with snacks and food. They were eating. And they were drinking. Where? He was there. God doesn't mind you. But you see, when you are doing those things, make sure that you are not disrespecting him in your mind. What understanding? Look, God is our lover. He's our father. He's our everything. 
So he like us. He would like us to come to him naked. I'm trying to tell you that he, the original Adam and Eve, he made them naked, no barriers, openness throughout. So he likes it when you are speaking to him in your native language. You are praying in Cree or the language you flow in. It's not necessary to play even pray in English. You are about to pray. You feel like ah, I need to set the mood for the Holy Spirit. Off light, blue light. Give me some nice, cool, you know, Bethel music, you know, something very nice, you know, very nice. And then you clean the room. These people put there, they were eating and drinking, you know. So you are an idiot. You've, you've made the AC chill. Then you kneel down by your bed and you start chanting in the spirit. Or you start waiting on God. You start waiting on God for your flesh to come down for your spirit to be at Now mood now I said you will pray you pray because it's nice. Atmospheres are very important. There are certain places when you live you can never think. Be serious. Where? I mean, there's this place around the Makati Hill. That's where the landfill is. Where they throw Ghana's baller. And Lavender Hill. Where they, where they, you see the, where they unleash. People live around that place. How do you think when you live at a place like that? But also you live at, you see, you enter into a place like Deftraco. And all of a sudden, you have you start having ideas. The reason why your ideas are not working is because of your room. Your room is messy. You clean the place, arrange the place, because the atmosphere affects the thinking and the flow of the thoughts. I mean, the shower is not working. You use a bucket. The bucket you've not cleaned it for since you bought it. All, you see, the bucket is red, but now it's looking white and red. But it's gradient. You see, white gradient. I mean, be serious. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit. He doesn't mind, but he deserves respect. So, when God was told him, telling Moses to um, um, prepare the, Nine, the temple, the things that he told Moses to use, gold, jewels, purple, badger skin, chale, is into royal things. And so, if you want to set the mood, Charlie, feel free. But again, let me say again, make sure your faith is not in the prayer, the activity of prayer. Make sure your faith is not in the atmosphere that you are setting. Make sure your faith is not in anything you are doing except God. Because God is not going to hear you because of the, the lights or the AC or the cleanliness of your room. God is going to hear you because all trust is in him. And you see him to be the one who will do the things for you. Yes, your whole, your, your whole hope and your he's, he's the one you are really after. If you are not after God and you are after what he gives, you see, that's also idolatry. And service to God can become an idol. You can serve God. You are working, busy working in a church to the point where you don't even have time for God. You are so busy working for God that you don't have time for God. So, Jesus said, Martha, Martha. 
you are concerned about too many things. Mary has chosen the nice parts. Nobody will take it from her. Do you understand? So in all this prayer thing and, you know, certain atmospheres, and make sure that your faith is only in the word of God and God himself. Amen. So that was the last question. All right. After this, we can the altar call. All right. So, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Maybe you haven't given your life to Christ. I recognize everybody here, and I know everybody has given their life to Christ in this room right now. But maybe you are watching online, and you haven't given your life to Christ. I want you to say this prayer with me. Close your eyes, lift your right hand, because you see, all these things we are saying about prayer, all these things we are saying about God, it will not profit you if you haven't given your life to him. There is provision for everybody in this world. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there are provisions that are reserved for children of God. In a king's house, there are servants, and the servants enjoy. But there is better and greater privileges for the king's children. And that is what God is inviting you to become. God is inviting you to become his child because he wants to bless you and he wants to make your life very fantastic. And so if you haven't given your life to Christ, please lift your right hand and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I pray that you forgive me of my sins. I declare Jesus as Lord and Master of my life and say, Satan, I have no business with you from today forward. I belong to God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. All right. Put your hands together. <laughs> Before you found me in the place of Koinonia.